Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host Brian with my co-host Ben Brandell, and today we are going to be breaking down fishing rods. Not no, we're not breaking fishing rods. That actually makes me really angry. Let you can't take them apart and break them down, but that's not what we're talking about, no. right? I get really, really mad when I break a fishing rod. Yeah, like it hurts me on it. the inside. What I mean to say is we're going to be covering all about fishing rods. When you buy a fishing rod and look at it, it's got all kinds of different writing on it. What does all that mean? There's different reels and and corks and and. Uh, rod lengths and rod materials we're going to be breaking down what all that means and some of its different uses so that hopefully next time that you go to buy a fishing rod or the next time that you can go fishing uh, maybe you'll just be more informed but maybe it will actually help you uh, be a better fisherman so before we get into all that ben let's give thanks i'm thankful for honestly farmers um man the the food that we have access to you know earlier today brian and i were looking out the window of his house here and and we saw a bunch of uh I don't know if it's Canada or Canadian. Still don't know how you say that, but let's just say Canadian goose, okay? Yeah. There was a, there was a goose out there. There, there might was, be a Myth Monday episode. It might be coming up. Interlating there. Um, more like, man, look at all that food. I think you said there's 43. You counted 43? Uh, yeah, something like that. 43 something. of them out there, and look at all that food. And I'm like, you know what? Would I eat it? Yes. Are there people that go out and spend thousands and millions of dollars to go hunt those? Yeah. Yes. But for some reason... I love like going and getting a cheeseburger from a fast food <laughs> with some no French fries. Cheeseburger king. So just having access to that, knowing that you know food, man, could be scarce at any moment. Just so thankful that we have food and that we have options for food, and that you and I can go fishing and catch our own food if we really want to, too. Yeah, that that's a good thing for sure. That farmers, man, they they're easy to take for granted because you don't they see are. the hard work they do every day, but uh, they really make make our economy and, and our world go around. Absolutely. Great to have them for sure. Uh, man, today I am thankful for modern medicine and over-the-counter, I'm going to say drugs that you can go buy to make you feel better. I have been down and out. We're actually getting to this podcast a little later than we usually do because we haven't been able to get together. Uh, been feeling all kinds of bad stuff, but uh, there's some good medicine out there that, that can get you feeling better. It may not heal you, but it can cover up some of those bad things that you're feeling so you can still go work and still uh be a a parent and a and a spouse so i'm thankful for for modern medicine all the access that we have to it just to go down the road go to the store and pick up something that uh meets the symptoms that you have that's good yeah so today we're talking about fishing rods now the reason we're doing this episode ben and i love fishing if you've listened to this at all you know that but we love to share our passion for fishing with other people we love to share it we love to take people who haven't been uh we love to to take people who maybe just just been a little bit but when we're out there ben and i love to open up our rod boxes our tackle boxes and and share whatever we have especially to people that are asking a lot of questions and and wanting to learn Uh, ben and i have a lot of fishing equipment a lot more than we need for sure um but it's fun to have well i mean you know i i could use a little more (laughs) yeah you could always use a little more fishing. Just a little right? bit. I mean, 
they got some new stuff out now. It's pretty cool. Well, I always say I have more than I need, and then I watch a, a video of a pro going through his, his bass cave, as they call it, uh, and everything that they have, and I don't even have a fraction of it, so I'm like, maybe I do need a little bit Yeah, I watched that video with you, and, and this guy looked like Bass Pro, like a Bass yeah. Pro story had that much stuff. So, yeah. Un- unreal it so it is perspective but yes you and i are blessed with a lot of awesome um equipment right but to to ca- people who fish casually when you walk in and see a a garage or a boat that has 30 rods in it you're like well what in the world you can only use one at a time a lot yeah. of old timers will say that you can only use one at a time what do you need all those for but every rod is different rods are kind of like people you've got different sizes different colors different strengths and they all have a particular purpose, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's crazy to think about in this world, there's, what is it, 7.8 billion people? And and we have a, a God who is God of all of them, whether they acknowledge or not. And he is so loving and kind that he builds everybody with specific characteristics, personalities, strengths, and passions. And, and really, it's for the building up of, of his kingdom. And when you look at a, all these fishing rods, there are so many. And they really are built and designed for a very specific use and purpose. It may be one lure, one size, and that may be the only thing it's used for. When you're really getting into these avid tournament anglers or guys that are fishing for uh, a living or pursuing that. Yeah, and not to get off topic, but we do need to address, you know, it's when you're going out to buy this equipment, when you're looking into this equipment, what do you need? Why do all these guys have it? We've talked about it before in podcasts. What's your goal? Are you a weekend warrior where you're just wanting to go out, catch whatever fish you can catch? Or, or are you picking a species of fish that you need to, to catch? Is it consecutively? What's my word I'm looking for? Um, you can repeat each weekend and, and keep catching fish on. Like It really does matter the equipment you buy and you use. But the question is, how often are you using it? You know, are you fishing professionally where you are literally making a career? That's where your money, your livelihood's coming from. Or are you just that weekend warrior? Or are you the one, the, the guy, the gal that's like, you know, I just like new equipment. Got a brand new rod out for 2022, 2023. The new rod's coming right. out. Let's go try it. You know what? Where are you at with that? But my hope today that this podcast, we help those that maybe love new rods, maybe have never bought a rod before, but they're kind of like, you know what? I actually don't understand why there are so many rods. Well, we get asked that a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, and it is confusing. Cause and how do I use them? Yeah. There are so many. They're made of different things. They look different. They've got a bunch of writing on them. What mm-hmm. does all that even mean? Mm-hmm. And, and how the heck do I use it? This is what I do. Whether it be I fish three times a year with my uncle. I fish every weekend. I just want to fish one time. Or my son's asking me to go fishing. My daughter's asking me to go fishing. What do I even need to get? I just want to do this. And it can be overwhelming. Even if you just go to the Walmart fishing aisle, there is a lot of product there. And they really just want you to buy it. It's a fishing business, all right? They're there. They're there to make money. So, Well, fishing business means catching you, not fish. Right. And that's why I want to, because we'll probably use that a few more times. Fishing business is all about catching humans. That's the point. And, and there is so much, there is so much product in the industry that is geared towards that more than it is catching fish right. so really what do you need for what you are going to do specifically um, and understanding what you're looking at 
can can go a long way in that so that you're not spending more than you need or maybe you need to spend a little more to to I, suffice because uh, i fished we have fished with pros mm-hmm. and i've fished tournaments with people that literally fish the whole day with a 35 dollar rod right and, and really everybody caught the same amount of fish well here's my word i thought of i was couldn't think of it a few seconds ago when it came to me it's consistent so can you go out and consistently catch fish? Mm. That is such a key word when we talk about angling because yeah. there are people like you and me could take someone out that's never been fishing before and they could slay the fish that day, mm-hmm. catch 20, 40 fish. There's definitely something to beginner's luck, I feel like. Absolutely. <laughs> they could go back and try to do the exact same thing that we showed them how to do and they may not be able to do it. They right. may not reproduce that. That's where I think what makes a professional – a professional is they can consistently catch mm-hmm. fish. Yeah. And that does for me come down to the quality and the types of equipment they're using and understanding how to use that equipment. That's right. so key because yes, you and I could take anybody, anybody could go out that wanted, they could go fish from the bank and they could catch the state record fish mm-hmm. from going and buying the cheapest rod and reel from whatever store you pick, walking down to whatever bank using whatever lure they want to use the moment they have that bait in that waterway yeah. on that rod, they Be, have a chance of catching the, the state record. Being out there doing it is, is the biggest thing. It's really the moral Correct. of the story that you're saying. Get out and do it. Otherwise, you don't have any chance. Even when we're when you and I are fishing tournaments together, um, you know, even we don't even we don't stop and sit down and have a lunch break. Uh-huh. We'll we'll eat while we're moving or we'll eat while we're fishing and. The whole point of me saying that is we use this saying of if your line isn't, if your lure is not wet, you're not fishing. You're not catching a fish. You don't have a chance if it's in the boat. Right. So but also getting people, out and doing it. Yeah. And these people that are just getting out and doing it the one day, they're honestly, they're not overthinking it. Right. They're, they're out fishing, having fun. And that almost, that's, that's the people that want to reach of, well, then buy a rod that's going to do the best for you because it breaks my heart. Like they're going down, they're using these rods, they're upside down or, or the reel isn't matching. Right. And I'm like, you know what? I know that you're catching fish. I've seen you catch some, but if, if you would just, if you would just take it one step further, you could cast farther. You could uh-huh. reel better. You could, your equipment would, would work for you even more. And that's really what I hope we, we can dig into here in a minute. Yeah. Before we even get to really breaking down these rods, there's a few things when you go to get a fishing rod that you have to consider. One, it has to fit your budget, right? Set your budget, what you're going to spend, because you can spend more than that way too fast. And the more you spend, the the better product you are going to get. However, in that price range, there's going to be a bunch of options and some are better than the other. Right. So, Set your budget. Stick to it. Second, know your skill. Don't get a rod and reel that you can. If you've never casted a bait caster before, don't go spend two hundred dollars on a bait caster because you're not you're not ready for that. And then, lastly, and I don't think most people are going to say this, like what you buy. Be excited about it mm-hmm. because it is a it is a blessing to have access to go fish. Is a blessing. To go get the fishing rod, it is a blessing to have the money in your bank account to go buy it. So buy something you like. If you hate green, don't buy a green fishing rod. Some people, it doesn't matter to you. Ben, I know you love when the color of your reel and the color of your rod match. Mm -hmm. If you could have every rod and every reel the same color, that would make you so happy on the inside. It would. If you are somebody that is like that and you can afford to do that or you... Buy something you like. It should. Don't buy something you hate. 
because it's all fun. The point of it is to be fun and enjoyable. And so that may seem like a silly tip and a silly point, but people will buy it just because somebody else has it or just because it was it was the one that was there. Buy something you like. So we got to address like. it. So number one, you said uh, within your budget. Uh-huh. So for me, if, if you're only going to budget a month's pay, then wait four months to buy one. Save up enough money to buy one that is going to be better. Here's what I'm saying. Mu- that's a Five fancy months, rod. Six months, maybe seven. I'm talking about rods. <laughs> so that gets into, well, Ben, are you just buying a rod or are you buying a combo? Right? Ben's buying a rod solid gold. Well, because what happens is most of your weekend warriors, or I'm just going in the spring to fish just one time and maybe going to do it one time a year, they go back, they pay 30 to 40 bucks for a rod and reel combo, which yep. means the reel and rod come together. Yeah. Most of the time, it comes with line on it, which is garbage. Uh-huh. I, I, that's the number one thing. I'd, if I could talk about anything, it'd be take the line off and put new line on. But right. they're buying this $30 rod. They go fishing with their buddy one time that's taking them out, and that rod sets in the corner of the garage maybe until next year. Yeah. And they'll pick it up, and they'll go to use it again, and it won't it, it won't perform. Right. Not because of the, the rod, but because of the reel and the line on it. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about budgeting... We're, we're, we're talking about today more focusing in on what rods are and then the, the other parts that come onto the rod. But you want to save up the money to purchase a rod that you can use for a lifetime. I mean, you should be able to use this thing unless it breaks out there. You should be able to, to use it every year, once, twice, 30 times, whatever you want to do. So it breaks my heart when people go buy just the cheap the cheap one that they, they see right there mm-hmm. because it doesn't last. And they're, they're going to have to pretty much do that every year. Yeah. It, to be honest, we teach with the cheap ones, and that's because they get used, abused, abused. and broken. Correct. Right. So if, if it's something you're going to be using and taking care of, then then go ahead. And I like your advice of don't splurge. Don't say, well, I'm going to spend two. Save up until that's actually something you have. Or maybe right. you get gift cards. You can ask for gift cards for Christmas. That's my fail safe. Everybody always says, what do you want? What do you want for Christmas? I want gift cards so I can go buy hunting and fishing stuff. Yeah. I don't care where it's to. I don't care what store. I want gift cards to buy hunting and fishing stuff. So all of you listening, I like gift cards to go buy hunting and fishing stuff. <laughs> My address is uh, yeah. 123. Yeah. yeah. Send those to me. You can send me bins too. Uh, well. Please do. I'll take all of them. Please. But yeah, no, say, save up to, to get you something nice if it's something you think you're gonna going to use again because if you do buy, I, I'm holding in my hand right now. It is, this is a combo that costs $35. A combo is, means that the rod and reel are already together. They come together. They, they come together. Yep. I can go out and I can catch fish on this. I can. But if I use this reel right here, I don't know, 10 weekends a year, use it hard, it's going to be done. It is. It, it, it is going to be done. Yep. Likewise, it, the, the rod is not going to hold up. The eyes are going to break off. Well, If no. you're just going to go use it once... We use these for teaching. That's why we have them. We use them to teach with, not because we don't want our people to have good things, but because in the teaching process, things don't get used the way they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. This is a functional rod and reel, but it's for light use. Yeah. And and also, there are some baits that you cannot use on that rod and reel. Absolutely. You can't, or you will break it, or the bait won't even function correctly. Um, Let's get into the different types of reels. And then the rods to pair with them. So when you go out to purchase, should someone purchase a rod or a rod or reel first? 
because you're getting ready to break down which is which and what is it. Are you more worried about as an angler and as a teacher, Brian, if you're getting ready to teach somebody, are you wanting them to, to have a better rod? Do you want them to have the rod first or the reel first? Well, I'm a little confused by your question. Are you asking me what you well, have right to now, have... if somebody went out to, to Walmart or Bass Pro or Academy or any sports store, yeah. they can go buy a combo. Correct. And most of the time, the combo is repaired pretty good. Yeah. They've got a the ratio of the reel is good for the rod, which we'll talk about in a few. But if you're just somebody wants to go out and, and purchase a rod first and then save up and purchase a really, really nice reel. Right. Would they do it in that order? No, well, I'd buy, I'd buy, I'd actually buy a better reel first. I would buy a better reel and maybe a, a cheaper rod and get really used to and good with that reel and then buy uh, a more expensive rod. And I'm going to say that because reels are actually more expensive than, than the rods most of the time. Um, and I've put some expensive reels on cheap rods and caught a lot of fish. So, uh, and see, I'm opposite. See, I, I would prefer to buy a, a rod than the reel. And why I say that is that the rod to me is, is how I feel and do everything. When you have little hiccups in your reel or you have some problems with your reel, you can definitely feel that and that might take away from, from what you're doing. But most of the fishing that I'm doing, it is all coming from that rod. And that's why picking the right rod for me is so, so important for me. Um, one example that I can give is white bass fishing. When I, when I go to catch white bass fish, I've even used reels that, that kind of had a skip in it. Right. And, and they weren't great. Would love to have afforded, you know, been able to afford I a better one. I still have a lot of reels in circulation that got a little skip <laughs> Let's in do it. that got a little skip in it. But that rod was so key in filling the bite for that white bass. Yeah. That without that rod, that six foot ultra light rod that I had at that time, I wouldn't have felt those bites I was feeling. I give all the credit to the rod, not the reel in that in that case. So for me, rods are so much more important than reels. <clears throat> However, they 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 do have to coexist, and when you have both, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. To to kind of combat that, uh, it, a little bit is going to depend on on the type of bait that you're using. Because using something that you really need to feel with is great, but if you're if you're fishing a swim bait and they're going to come up and eat it, then I want to be able to make a big, long cast, and I have to reel a lot with a moving bait swimming. And so I want a really good reel for that. For instance, if if I buy a $200 swim bait rod, and then I put a $30 mega cast reel on it, I'm barely, it, it won't even, it's not even going to cast long enough for me to be able to use that lure. Yeah, the rod may be awesome, but that bait's not even getting out there to do what that bait needs to do. So there is a balance there. Ideally, you'd have a great reel and a great rod, and that's really what you want to work for. And a lot of times when you're talking about these combos, um, most of the time Ben is saying they're paired, and, and, and they're usually paired um, for uses, but they're also usually paired, uh, uh, what's my word, financially, I guess. So usually a $100 rod is paired with about a hundred dollar reel. Right. They usually pair them pretty equally. So you're you're getting what you pay for in that instance. If you're buying a fifty dollar rod and reel combo, it's usually the reel's worth twenty five and the rod's worth about twenty five. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that isn't great. But I I have fished with hundred and twenty dollar reel 
on a $25 rod for years. It was my swim bait rod for a long time. And I'm not talking big giant. I'm talking small, like four to six inch swim baits. And I caught so many fish on that. But when I finally, actually that rod broke and I upgraded. When I upgraded, it was like, oh my gosh, new world. I wish I would have done this. So you really do get what you pay for, especially with materials if you're matching it to the use. But um, you have to know what you need and you have to know what your skill and your budget are. So what are the different things that you can even go buy? Let's look at reels first. You have spinning reels. You have open face and closed faced spinning reels. Yep. Spinning reels are going to be the reels that hang underneath your rod, and they have to be paired to a spinning rod, which means the eyelets or the little round circles where the line goes through on your rod, those have to be on the bottom of the rod. So we'll call those guides. Guides. They are guides. Eyelets are guides. Those have to be on the bottom of your rod for a spinning reel. Close-faced is going to be like, I want to say very, very beginner. Like when my three-year-old started learning to cast, I gave him a closed-faced spinning reel. It has a cap on it so the, the line cannot go crazy and come unwound and go all over the place and make a big rat's nest. And you're actually using a trigger. You're not holding the line with your finger, which you are doing with an open-faced spinning reel. Right. Would you like to add to the spinning reel? To the spinning reel? versus the no just those or do you want to talk about another kind of reel well that's what's it is difficult to talk through it all because there are some in-betweens there are some spinning reels that have triggers on them that flip the bail over for you now and yeah and what what we're trying to help you understand though is that there are two types we're going to call them today we have a spinning rod and a casting yeah and a spinning rod needs to be paired up with a spinning reel and a casting rod needs to be paired up with a casting reel, which they call it bait casting. And so the importance of knowing the difference is some people will sometimes buy a spinning rod and buy a casting reel and put them together. Mm-hmm. Can you go out and cast it and try to use it? Yeah, people have. They've probably even caught fish on it, but it won't perform the way that it should. Neither, Yeah, neither the rod or the reel is going to perform the way that it was designed to do. Um, don't make the mistake if you are trying to pair Um, And so spinning, your guides or eyelets are on the bottom. They should be pointing down to the ground on your rod. And on casting, they should be on top of the rod pointing up. And a lot of times on casting rods, there's going to be a trigger. So where where your handle is, where you're actually holding and putting your hand... There's a little trigger going down that's going to be splitting your fingers, and that's that's a casting rod. Yeah, and that's on the rod without a reel on it. So you will see a rod just without a reel attached. On the back side of it, if it's a casting rod, there's a little hook that comes out, little plastic, what's really whatever the handle's made of, but mm-hmm. it sticks out, and you're calling that a trigger. Right. And so that quickly lets you know that that's a casting or bait casting rod. Yeah, it's not so you could pull it and shoot your lure out the... That'd be fine. You still have to cast it. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> They probably have designed something there like that and just fail. Like that. Yeah, yeah there, there probably is. But with a bait casting setup, your reel is going to go on top. And with a spin casting setup, your rod is going to go down below. One of the most common mistakes. The reel so, is, yes. It'll, it'll be hanging down below. Yeah. And so you have one of the most common mistakes with, with spinning. People, You'll hand them to people. And, and depending, what usually happens is they're left-handed or right-handed and they get handed one that the handle's on the side they don't feel comfortable with. So they've flipped the rod over and the reel's on top. But what happens when you do that, you still have to reel backwards and you're using it how it's not designed to be used. Right. Um, and, and just to save you, that is one of the most uh, 
how do I say it? How do I say it gently? Or it's like one of the most newbie. Noob, that's I one mean, of the most newbie, newbie things you yeah. can do is to hold the spinning reel upside down, meaning that it's up to the sky. Let that spinning hang down below, um, and, and you'll be a lot better off. Let's say that with with a bait caster, that's gonna be with a true open faced bait caster, meaning you can see the line. You can see the line. The spool is laid over on its side. Um, that is going to be your little, your more advanced fishing reel. With a casting rod, you can still what I use what I call is a, a push button, mm-hmm. a push button caster, which lets your Zepco 33s or they are closed faced. All the line is inside the reel, and you are literally pushing a button. Yeah, let go of the button when you cast. They are the most simple, easy to use. Yep. Your tournament anglers, your people that are serious, are never they're never going to use those. However, it's a great way to introduce people to fishing. It's a great way to take kids fishing. It is a great way. It, they are so easy to use. They're almost foolproof, and they don't malfunction a whole lot because the line is enclosed. However, you're not going to cast very far with them. You're not going to be able to put very many different kinds of line on them. They, they're not advanced in the techniques that you can use. It's it's very much a push the button, cast it out 20 feet, try to catch a brim type deal. All right, so now that we've kind of kind of described both, um, help us to understand why or when would I want to go buy a spinning rod versus a casting rod. Now that we understand what the two are and that they are different, Yeah. why do I care? Why do they even make them? Which one do I need? Yeah, so with, with spinning... Spinning is so versatile. You can use a spinning rod, depending on the size of the reel and rod that you buy, from catching sharks in the ocean to catching tiny little bluegill out of a pond and everything in between. So they're very versatile, but most of the time, your spinning setups are going to be for your lighter fishing, meaning light lines, small lures, catching fish that are not huge. Now, like I said, you can buy monstrous setup. literally go catch sharks on some of these big setups. But most of the time, freshwater fishing in all mainland North America, you're talking about if you're going to go use, the, uh, if you're not a fly fisherman, you're going to go catch trout. It's going to be on spinning. Crappie, uh, bluegill, a lot of what we call finesse bass fishing. So when you're using light line, small lures in bass fishing, you're using a spinning setup. When you get to heavier things, that you really want to cast further and more accurately, then you're probably going to move up into that bait casting setup. Now, is there a difference between line? Because you're talking about, you know, Ooh, that's spinning. a whole other podcast, isn't it? It is big, but yeah. with spinning, when you're talking about all the small baits, you're usually using light, we call finesse, right? on all those baits, everything you're putting into that. But you're usually using light line. Right, you and, know? And, and light, so when you buy line, there are so many different materials of line to buy, but... Each material, no matter what material you're buying, is given in a, a poundage or a weight, uh-huh. and that is its breaking tensile. And, oh. and so um, six-pound line is going to break at a straight pull of six pounds. Now, with your rod and reel and your setup and, and technique, it's going to prevent that from happening, hopefully, but it's going to break at six pounds. If you buy a 12-pound line, it's going to break it at straight pull of 12 pounds. The size the heavier line is obviously bigger in diameter, so the size of your reel does matter. If you have a tiny little spinning reel, then your reel, you'll actually be able to look at it, and it will tell you this, how much, how many feet or yards of that size line will actually fit on it, as well as 
your rod is going to tell you the compatible line sizes, yep. the range of line sizes to be used with that rod. Okay, so we know there's a difference um, for someone that's just beginning. Is there one that they should should buy first, get get used to first? Man, I really like eight pound. If you have a spinning rod, because you can go eight pound, just seems to be strong enough. You can go catch. I mean, you can catch six eight pound catfish on eight pound, but you can also tie on small little tiny baits and go catch bluegill and crappie as well on eight pound. Well, that's good. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to the rod. So you, you talked about the rod says different weights that you can use of a line and all that. Let's break it down for them. Um, yeah, this is probably the most common. This is probably the most common question that we get of what does all this mean on my rod? You know what? Let me add one thing before we, before we break down what's written on the rod. You talked about guides earlier. Mm-hmm. And the guides on this rod, on any rod that you buy, you're going to have guides that the line runs through. Now, on the cheaper end, we were talking earlier, like let's just say, let's let's call thirty-five dollars cheap. Let's yeah. let's call that in the fishing world that that would be a cheap rod and reel right. combo. You're only going to have four to maybe five guides on it. When you get into let's say a hundred dollar combo. It may be more like six to eight. Right, and then you get into a five, six hundred, and you may have eight, ten. Yeah, the right. more the more guides that you have, the smoother and more manageable your line is going to be. Because it's it's no longer touching your rod; it's only going to be in those guides. Correct. And so that even helps for casting, mm-hmm. and it goes into casting further and more smooth and all that fun stuff. So it even makes your line last longer. It does. Yeah. Well, and there's even different materials used for those guides, yeah. right, depending on what line. But let's let's dig into what the rod is here. Um, now that we know what the guides are, we, mm-hmm. let's start talking about the, the rod. Right. So when you pick up a fishing rod, first of all, what you're, you're going to roll it over, and on the bottom of the rod, just above the handle, I'm going to say most of the time it's about six inches above the handle. It's usually before the first eye you're going to see some small writing. And we have here with us while we're doing this podcast, we actually brought in all the ranges of rods. So we have the $35 combo. We have, oh, what's this one together? Maybe 200 rod and reel together. And then we've got a four to $500 combo over there. And all of them are the same. They all have, I mean, shouldn't say that. They, They all have the writing in the same place. And the info provided is the same info. Uh, the details are different. Yeah. So let's. Yeah. Does that me, make sense? It, it does. Okay. When you're talking about a rod, what you have in a rod is you have action, you have power, and you have length. Mm-hmm. And then your and then your line and lure and ranges. Then, yeah. And and so and that is kind of something different. So hang on. So we have rod, which we're talking about our action and our power and our length. And those are important to know, and that's what I want to break down first, and then let's talk about the the last two that you just shared. So when you're looking at that riding, you're going to find what might be called action. Correct. Now, action isn't written on every rod, correct? Is a cheap $35 rod? We say cheap because that's – so is it going to have the action on that rod? Yes. Okay. Are both going to have the power? Most of the time, they're going to have power and action. What about length? This one does. I'm telling you, obviously haven't seen every rod in the world, yep. but I'm holding what I said our $200 combo was and our $35 combo, and they have the same information. Good. So if it doesn't have the information, here's what I want to tell you. Don't get it. Yeah. 
or there are men and women out there and you may be one of them that bought blanks and you can build your own you can yeah. make your own rods which is so much fun and then you have to write down what it is you made but if it doesn't have this information on it then don't get it because you really don't know what you're getting into that's good advice. so let's break down what a rod is what's the action first so the action um is really gonna you're gonna be thinking of oh shoot almost broke one the the tip so people will say well what's the tip of that rod and you're really talking about the action and it's going to be listed in speeds fast extra fast medium uh really i don't think i have do slow rods exist i don't have any i guess they're, yeah. they're you have extra slow. fast to slow extra yep. fast to slow yep. um most of the time you're probably going to have something between medium to that extra fast and really that has to do with the ability for the rod to move the bait without you moving the rod so kind of the stiffness extra fast is going to have more stiffness in the tip and medium is going to be uh, more soft in the tip so an example would be if you're fishing a jig which would be uh, a, basically a hook and a weight that are uh, combined together you're fishing a, a jig something you're dragging across the bottom you're not moving your rod in these big swings or anything like that you want to be able to feel a lot of times with extra fast rods you can feel a little better but the the less you move your rod, you still get movement out of your bait. With a medium, you have to move your rod more to get the same amount of movement out of your bait. Does that make sense? Let's let's recap here. Let's make for sure. So, you know, when we talk about action, mm -hmm. it can depend on what the rod material is. It can. So... Maybe we should have went down the material route. You know, when we, when we talk about materials, that does impact our action. It does. But the action of that, let's say that when you said is there slow action, a lot of times, um, well, back, I won't say back in the day, but before all of these different materials came out on rods, a lot of people use fiberglass for crankbaits mm -hmm. a lot. And if you've ever used a fiberglass rod, when you shake that thing, it is a slow action. I mean, it's... It's what a lot of people call spongy, like real spongy. Yeah. And when you're using that spongy type rod or that slow action rod. Whips around like a soft carrot. And that's what you want when yeah. you're using a crankbait because yeah. you're slowly reeling that in. And all you have to do is let it do all the work when a bass hits that. Right. You want the bait. rod to load and pull those pull those hooks in. You're, yep. It's, it's great for pulling the hooks in, those treble hooks mm -hmm. into the mouth. But on the, on the extra fast side or or fast, you know, you're looking. You're if you you might know what this is, but um, a football jig. It's a jig that a jig is a lure you're gonna fish right on the bottom. And when we say football jig, it's a heavy weight, so it's gonna take it down deeper and it's gonna drop faster. It's gonna stay right on the bottom. You know, a lot of guys are gonna use that extra fast action rod for that bait. It's when you don't want to slow. You know, it's it's you're you're really working that bait along the bottom and you're filling it and bouncing it and moving it um you know it's usually best when you need to move the lure with your rod and you need to drive a hook fast when that fish bites so right. when mm -hmm. i feel that fish pick up that jig that's why i'm going to turn and we call it rip his lips off right because i have to set that hook into that fish's mouth and that's when i would need that kind of action. Yeah, what what you just said there at the end is is actually probably the best way to explain it. When you need to move the lure with your rod, yeah, you want extra fast or or even fast 
yeah. depending fast is fine. fast yeah. or extra fast. But if if you are moving the lure with your reel, then you want a softer rod, like a medium rod. There's all uh, there's also slow, but I you know I've never seen anybody use a slow except for in fly fishing. I've never seen anything in bass fishing use a slow. There's probably somebody out there that has that preference, but like with a crankbait, you know, you are cranking and you are moving that bait back to the boat with your reel handle. You are not sweeping your rod. Now, some people are going to say, well, if you do in this, there are techniques that people develop where you may be using your rod more. And there's so many things that go into the weeds with the way people fish specifically. But generally with a crankbait, you're casting it out and you're reeling it back in. Right. So you can use a softer action rod, like a medium. With a extra fast rod, something like a jig that you're dragging on the bottom, you're you're only reeling in your slack. You are actually moving that jig, crawling it back by lifting your rod tip over and over and over again. Right. And you want the feel and the strength with the extra fast to be able to do that. But remember, we're talking about consistency. Right. Okay, because anybody can take any rod the first time and they can go out to a place where they know there's fish yeah. and catch a fish. <laughs> you and I are, are trying to help people understand you want to buy this equipment so that every time you go out, you can consistently catch fish because it's doable. Yeah. And the equipment's out there. So, yes, you do have some people that may do things a little bit different. Hey, that's great. If it's all you got, it's all you got. If that's all you got, if that's how you're going to do it, do it. But there are products, there are things out there that if you keep doing them, you can produce fish each time you go. Right. And, and that's really by... What I'm sharing here is that there is better equipment that you can use that's going to help you to do that. Yeah. Can you hit the story time button? Let's hit it. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> story time. Story time. This is a lot of years ago. Maybe the first time that you and I ever fished together. I mean, you, this was several boats ago for you. Even you had that little, that old little, uh, oh, it was the early 90s tracker. That was it was a, aw- we, awesome. We had a lot of fun. That fishing motor is still running today. It's yeah. a 94. It's still, Love it. It's but, awesome. I had recently, and I think I've told this, I have told the story before where I, I lost almost all of my fishing gear um, sinking a canoe, and I'd recently done that, and I just got one rod and reel replaced. I was in college, didn't have a lot of money, and somebody had actually given me a rod, and I think I went and bought at the outlet store a, a cheap reel that had been refurbished, and I showed up to fish with you. And the plan was to fish jigs that day. And I had a jig on and you were like, it was a cranking stick, which you knew was for crankbaits. And it was, a, it was a medium action. It was soft. And you were like, what are you doing? I said, man, it's all I got. So if it's all you got, then you can use. But if you're yeah. going to consistently be a good jig fisherman, then you don't want a, a medium rod. Right. And, and that's all we're trying to, that's what I'm trying to tr- truly say. I got a story. Real fast to, to back that. My grandpa always made fun of me for bringing five, six, eight <laughs> rods and reels in the boat. I'd always have... Say that's a conservative <laughs> number, Ben. <laughs> but I always got made fun of. I still do, okay? Yeah. Uh, one of my cousins, he's getting into fishing. Uh, you know, he walks from his house to the pond, and he's carrying three rods, and grandpa sees it and's like, why is he taking three when I was a kid? We uh-huh. only had one, and the one he had was fiberglass. Yeah. So... The materials and the things we have today are so different from days of grandpa. Yeah. Right? It ain't a cane pole anymore. Yeah, it ain't a cane pole. <laughs> Went from cane pole to fiberglass, and now we're getting into carbon. Yeah. Right? All kinds of awesome but, um, carbon but fiber. The point is, all of those caught fish. They did. Yeah. 
what we're seeing today is that the people that are out consistently catching fish, their equipment, the what they're using, they're using the equipment the way it's designed. So mm-hmm. if they're going out and throwing a crankbait, they're going to buy a rod that is designed for crankbait. Yep. And why that, that matters is because they have to consistently catch fish. And when they make that switch, they do. <clears throat> if I go out and take, oh, I love using the example Barbie fishing pole. Right. If I go out and buy a Barbie fishing pole, I, you and I could go out and catch fish with a Barbie fishing pole. If I'm going to fish an eight-hour tournament, I'm going to struggle. Uh, you'll be miserable. <laughs> I'll be miserable. <laughs> Probably not catch many. Because I'm going to be battling the line yeah. internally. I'm going to be battling not being able to cast that thing very far. Honestly, it, it may not make it through the day. It may not even, correct. I may mm-hmm. not even be able to, to have, I would, I may not even have a rod and reel to use. It could break and tear up by, by right. Yeah. So getting into quality, but we've talked what action is. Action within the rod. Now let's talk about power. Right. What is power in that rod? So power, uh, I, the, the word you're going to hear is backbone. You're going to hear the word backbone referred to the power at all. So that will be, literally, it'll say power on your rod. And same thing as you're looking at your rod, reading it, it says action. But the power is going to be listed as, so you have uh, ultra light, light, medium light, medium, medium heavy, heavy, and extra heavy. And that is going to refer to more the midpoint of your rod and really that, that strength in the bend of your rod. So like for a moving bait, I like medium because you're going to get more of a parabolic or arch bend to your rod. And it kind of refers to where it bends as well. If you start moving up into those stronger rods, like a medium heavy, you'll see the rod bends a little more towards the tip. As you get to a, a heavy rod, it's going to bend even more towards the tip. And you can take a rod that is a medium and a heavy and bend them, you can take the same, we'll say the same model of rod, but different power. And as you bend them, you'll see that one rod feels stronger than the other. It doesn't bend as far or at the same spot. So here's what it means by bend. Don't go to the store and take the thing <laughs> and grab each end and bend it in half and see how far it goes. This isn't like the yeah, old ugly stick. Then you'll stick. be breaking some and buying some. Yeah, you'll be, you'll be buying a broken rod. Right. So, so here's what I do when I want to check the power of the rod. I will take the tip. And actually gently place it on the floor and I'll begin to bend the rod that way. So bend it down and you can see how far down from the tip of the rod, how far down that backbone is. Mm. You know, when it starts bending, if it doesn't bend until about halfway, you know where your backbone's at. Right. So that's a great way to, for me to kind of see that power and how far high or low that backbone is. For me, the lower the backbone the more we're getting also into that slow action. So mm-hmm. if that backbone's way down there towards that rod, then I, I can pretty much feel and see that this thing's going to be pretty flexible. Right. And is it's going to uh, take less to, or it's going to load up. So we've talked about action. We've talked about power. We know kind of what the backbone is and, and maybe where to find it as you're seeing where that bends. Length. There's so many different lengths of rods. Why does that matter? And, and what, what might you look for? Well, yeah, so you're going to see your length listed there, it, 6 feet, 6 feet, 6 inches, 7, seven feet, 7, yeah. one, seven eight two, foot. Seven six, 8 foot, really is going to be matched with um, what you plan, what bait you plan to use that rod for. Generally, the rule of thumb is that the longer the rod is, the further you can cast it. The shorter it is, the more accurate you can cast it. 
that those are kind of your general rules of thumb there. So if you're making shorter, but you need to be really accurate, then you may use a 6.6 rod. But if you're just casting wide open water and you want to cast and cover as much water as possible, then you may jump up to the seven and a half foot. Uh, this rod I have right here with me is, is one of my smaller swim bait rods and it is a seven and a half foot. So I really bought this rod to be out in open water where fish are schooling and I wanted to cast as far away from the boat as I possibly could and cover a bunch of water. So you're really buying that for specific techniques and lures. Yeah. And when you're looking at length, I also want to add that a lot of times, like if you're buying a five foot rod, that's going to be in what they call an ultralight category mm-hmm. because because of how short the rod is, you're not going to have uh, forgiveness in that. There's not uh, there's not a lot of room for that rod to bend and flex. Right. Right. So once you get up into eight foot rods, now we have uh, – depending on what modern materials we're using now we have the option to make it extra fast all the way down to slow mm-hmm. but majority of the time if it's going to be a shorter rod um you're gonna what's called an ultralight you're gonna find the ultralight i've i have yet to find one not saying there's not but i haven't found an eight foot ultralight rod yet right um because most of the time when they're eight feet you're going to be getting up from moderate all the way up to your extra fast yeah. and your your power Think your backbone. That, I think at that point we call it a fly rod. Nine foot fly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Matter of fact, I believe it, uh, there was a company that started a, a bass fishing company, rod company, started naming, labeling their rods like fly fishing does. So mm-hmm. when you're buying the rods, you're going to find that within the name, it's going to tell you the length, it's going to tell you the size, all within that name. So when you go buy a fly uh, a fly rod, a lot of times you're looking for like nine weight and it'll tell you how many pieces it is. And that's very similar to bass. But however, when you're fly fishing, it's much, much longer. So it's really nice when we get in the bass world. Most of the time when you're buying a rod, it's going to be one piece. However, they do have two piece rods. If you want to take them down, you and I usually steer clear from two piece rods. How come you stay away from two piece and don't always buy just one piece? They come apart. When? When I'm fighting a fish. When you're casting, they just seem to come apart when when you don't want them to. Um, and, and really the idea behind two-piece is, is for storage. Right. And if I have a whole bunch of rods that aren't two-pieces, then what's the point in having one or two that, that is two-pieces? So I have a, a spinning rod mm-hmm. in real combo. That's a two-piece. And I also have a spinning rod in real combo that's a one-piece. And the information that's written on the rod are exactly the same. Yep. But I'm here to tell you that they feel different when I fish them, they even do, though they yeah. say they're the exact same. Because of that two-piece where it comes together. That attachment point. That yeah. attachment point where they come together. It's like it makes a fulcrum. It changes my backbone. Right. Like it changes where that backbone is on the rod that's a one-piece. So yeah. that's just a little quick tip, too. That's why we buy one-piece when you can if you're not having to break it down and store it somewhere. Yeah. And I'll say this. If if you are – if you consider yourself an, an average – avid angler or a little bit above novice you can take two rods of different brands and they may say that let's say they're both six six medium fasts built out of we haven't got into material a whole lot yet let's say they're both they're two graphite rods that are six six so they're six foot six inches long yep their their power is medium yep that you said and and their action is fast fast they're both the same, but they're two different brand rods. You can take them and flex them. They won't, they won't be the same. Right. 
it's it's kind of like uh, I'm we use cheeseburgers. Let's use cheeseburger. Cheeseburger. Again. A cheeseburger. You give me a Wendy's cheeseburger and a McDonald's cheeseburger, I can take a bite and tell you which one's different, right? Right. They're both cheeseburgers, and that's the same with these rods. They're both six six medium fast rods, but they are different. So when you when you get into being more of what you would call an avid angler, you are going to develop what I call preferences. The things that you like. You know, Ben, you and I, for different types of lures, we have some different preferences on rod and reel. And that's perfectly okay. But don't just stick to, well, I like 6.6 medium for this because you may not like it in that certain kind of rod. You may have to go up to a a 6.6 medium heavy for for that particular uh, bait that you're wanting to use it for. Right. You know, honestly, everything that you're talking about in those differences of brands, I think goes back to the material. Mm -hmm. So it's the materials that these rods are made of. And that's kind of the consideration here I want us to take on rods is just because you know we've described action power and length they're going to be different with different brands even though they may say the same thing right and today uh they're using all kinds of different graphites i mean like i said you can still buy fiberglass but fiberglass was was what fishing rods were made of a lot of fiberglass moved into then different type of graphite now today we're getting into what what's some different ones you've heard um Oh, well, carbon is the, yeah. Carbon's going to be your, people are going to mix it with graphite and it's going to make the rod really expensive and it's going to, they're trying to reduce weight, but all of that changes, changes the action, but that, that carbon introduction, kind of like when we had miles on. Because it, it's making it lighter. Bows. Right. Mm-hmm. But it does, it does change the action and the power of all that. So the, the main, the main things that you're going to run into, if you're going to go to your box store, you're going to have fiberglass. You're going to have what they call a composite, which is graphite and fiberglass mixed together. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have just your graphite rods. General rule of thumb, graphite is going to have more feel. It's going to be stronger, and you're going to have more feel with it, and it's going to have less of a parabolic bend. Now, you can match the action and the power to get more of a parabolic bend out of graphite, but you're going to have more feel with it. Straight fiberglass is usually going to be heavier. It's going to be whippy. And you're not going to have a lot of feel with fiberglass. Um, most people are using those for crankbaits is a really common thing for people to use just fiberglass rods with. Um, I like to use uh, what's called a composite, which is fiberglass and graphite mixed together. So you get a little bit of the feel, but you still get a little bit of the bend and the softness of fiberglass. Right. Why might I not want to use a seven foot medium heavy fast action rod with a crankbait why 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 would i want to use a fiberglass moderate bendy rod right well for one thing the action of your lure is going to be different so the every crankbait is built to have a specific wobble and action and dive depth when you start um not applying the correct rod with that you're going to change that you may make a wide wobble tighter because you have a stiff rod and it's not going to dig and go as deep because you have a stiff rod the biggest thing for me, besides changing the action, is actually happens when, when you get a bite. Right. When you get a bite with a stiff rod with a moving bait like a crankbait, those hooks just want to pull and rip right out of that fish's mouth. Mm-hmm. With a soft rod, it really gives a second for the fish to fully get the bait, and then it loads up on its own and pulls those hooks into its mouth 
it doesn't pull the bait away from them. There's kind of a delayed reaction there, if that makes sense. No, it does. And that's exactly what I wanted you to share. It's right. that it gives a little bit of a delay, um, even kind of like with fishing lines. People ask us, well, when do we use fluorocarbon versus monofilament? Mon- monofilament line, and you'll see it's, it's called mono. It's really stretchy, mm-hmm. and it is a little more forgiving. It'll stretch just like you're talking about. Right. Whereas fluorocarbon, super strong, tight, not a lot of give. And that's kind of how fiberglass is. It, it allows you to, to have a little bit of gift where it isn't just ripping those hooks right out of the right. fish's mouth. On the, on the flip side of that, though, Ben, talk about fishing. Why wouldn't you want to fish a, a jig with a fiberglass rod? Because whenever I get a bite with that jig and I want to catch this fish, I've got to make sure that all my slack is out. So I'm reeling up with my, my reel. I'm reeling in my line, any slack. And as I go to lift up and jerk, I want all of that tension to load up there on the tip of that rod to be pulling the hook into the fish's mouth. And you want it to happen fast. And I need it to happen quickly because that fish can spit it. When you're talking about moving baits... You also want to feel it. You don't feel very well with glass. Correct. When when you're talking about moving baits, you can feel when something hits something that's already moving. You can feel it. When I have a jig sitting still there, I need to feel that soft little... I need to feel that through my line, through my rod, into my hand, and I'm going to do that more effectively with a, a more firm rod than a than a wiggly right. rod for me. And just a, a little, that was really good, Ben, but just a little clarification. We keep saying jig. There are so many types of jigs. There's football jigs. There's there's craws. There's shaky head jigs that you're fishing with a worm. There's Ned, Ned heads that's really popular now. That, that Those are all jigs. Anything that you're dragging on the bottom even a texas rig isn't a jig but you're dragging it on the bottom any of those feel baits you want a graphite rod that you can feel really well Uh and the more expensive rod you pay for you are going to feel better you're going to feel if you buy a 400 dollars graphite rod you're gonna pick it up and be like oh my gosh i can feel everything yeah if you've paired the proper line with it that's true that's true And, and that's where this gets tricky because there's a lot of different Things involved here, but now that we talked about materials. Let's move into uh, handles. Okay, there are, there are different types of handles there on all are. these rods. Um, you know, when I first started fishing, I thought that I was cool if I had a cork handled rod. Yeah. Had to be cork. Had to be because well, cork handles are good. Well, but they were back when I first started fishing. Like they were, the, you had to have that for it to be <laughs> effective to work well. Right. Like if you're buying the old rubber or the foam, foam. Yeah. I was like, those are cheap. It was soft foam. It was soft foam. Yeah. yeah. I was like, those are cheap. Wouldn't work well. Had to be cork. Man, today I've got all kinds. Yeah. Uh, whatever that, whatever, whatever they're making, I'm gonna buy it now. That doesn't matter to me. But do handles have an, an effect on um, your fishing rod? My goodness, yes, they do. So. First of all, the length of your handle, and that's measured from where your reel seat is or where your reel attaches to your rod to the end of the rod closest to your body. Um, And basically, uh, a two-handed cast is what you're going to use when you really want to put some power. So you're going to move. If you're See, I cast with my right hand, and I'd move my left hand down to the bottom of the rod there. Uh, If you're casting that way, you're basically creating a lever, a fulcrum, two Mm -hmm. hands. So the longer that handle is the bigger the fulcrum is and the more power so a lot of these are really uh a big i'll call it a fad but it's it's just something that's really popular now is to fish these big giant hard swim baits i'm talking 12 16 inch they're the size of a fish that you may that you may be happy with catching these baits are this big but they need big stiff rods that are huge to cast with and these these rod handles are like two feet long but they need that big, long fulcrum to be able to cast these big baits. But if you're using a small 
little finesse bait on a spinning rod, it's going to have a short handle. So you have solid handles, which means you'll have a grip from where the reel attaches all the way to the end near your body, or you have what's called a split grip. So you'll have just a little grip right where your reel is, and then you'll have a space and then a little grip on the end of your rod as well. And that really is designed to limit the weight and the material that's used. So maybe uh, cutting some cost back on those. So those are really popular now. You see a lot, a lot of split grips. And then you're actually going to get into the material of the grip that is made with. So Ben mentioned cork. You'll st still see cork. Cork was popular and used for a long time. It's durable. It's really good in wet conditions because it holds up to the water. But eventually over time, that cork is going to break down and it's kind of heavy too. So it is not as popular as it used to be. There are so many materials now. One that you're going to see a ton is called EVA foam. And that EVA foam is a hard type of foam but it's really really light so a lot of those middle ranged priced rods are going to have eva foam on them then when you get into more expensive rods ben what do you get you get all these rubber. wind grips the rubber eyes these like comfort for your hand they're yeah. light and they feel good in your hand too when you start getting into those more expensive rods right and that's that's why i love that today we can go, still go to the brick and mortar stores pick these rods up Look at them, mm -hmm. read them, feel them in our hands. What does that rod feel like in my hand? Whenever I, I wiggle that rod up in the air, is it really wiggly? Is it is it got more backbone in it? What does that feel like? And then when I was telling you to kind of put the tip on the floor and, and kind of push down on that and see where that bend is, I can feel all that. You know, it kind of makes me nervous online shopping because just because I know what my action power and length is when I'm buying it, it may not be how what I like. That's so. It's so hard for me when I find a rod. I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast breaking a rod. Uh huh. Sad to say, I've I've done that several times. Usually, I shut a, a rod locker box in. It's my usually boat. getting it out of the oh, rod box yes. out of the boat. Yes. Oh my goodness. It's frustrating. Um, <clears throat> but luckily, a lot of these brands now, man, they've really stayed behind their rods for for several years, and, and they'll replace them. But when I break a rod, I usually go back and buy the same one. If I, if I liked it for that technique, it's really hard for me to change because I could go buy another brand, but it's it's so different to, to really match that exact thing that you were looking for. So if you find something you like, stick with it. But you have to know, like you mentioned, you're, you're going and you're testing the flex of these rods. You have to know what you're planning to use a rod for. Correct. You have to know what you're planning to use it for. I'm going to take a step further. You have to know what bait mm -hmm. you're planning to throw, using it for. So a couple questions I would have, you know, people have asked us before, what should I buy? Matter of fact, uh, not too long ago, had somebody say, hey, got a gift card. Really want a rod and reel that I can just use, that, yeah. I, that I can have for myself. I'm like, well, that's good. Yeah. What should I buy? And I quickly said, well, I don't know. What are you going to do? What fish are you trying to catch and what bait are you going to throw for those fish? Yeah. Because that's going to help me to help you in getting started. However, Brian and I, we have, we fish differently. So we fish with different hands in regards to our reels. Yeah, we're the Basically, you fish good, I fish bad. Well, I think you fish funny <laughs> and I fish smart. Uh, it's really, we're, what side of the reel is the handle on? You know, we've even switched, we fish differently that way. You know, I imagine if we really got down and looked at 
I do that just so I don't have to share rod and reels with you. Isn't it nice? Yeah. Him and I can be at the front of the boat and we can both fish. It's, it makes it really nice. <laughs> but when we're looking at all of that, you know, I haven't looked at what Brian's using for his jig. Right. Because Brian, that's what Brian likes. You know, mm-hmm. what, what I'm using for my jig, that's what I like. And what's been awesome is now that I've been able to afford multiple rods over the last 25 years of doing this, I've been able to, as I get a new rod, try different baits on that rod. And as it works better and feels better, that's what I'm going to stick with. You know, and, and and if you're like, Ben, I don't have time to do that. I don't have that many rods. I don't know where to start off with. Then start doing your research. What baits are you wanting to use? Yeah. You know, that's if, if you're wanting to be a crankbait fisherman, then start doing research and look at all these professionals that are crankbait fishing guys. Yeah. And they will tell you what rods and reels are using. Yeah, we'd love to help with that too. If you want to reach out to us, reach, reach out, out to, to us. us on Facebook, we'd love Instagram. to share with what we yeah. use. Yes, we'd love we'd love to help you with that. Over the years, um, just just being fishermen, we've been asked. This is a question, and, and this will kind of be help us wrap this up. Even before we started meant to be outdoors, you and I would get asked this question all the time. What I, I'm going to go buy one rod. I'm going to go buy one rod. I want to be able to do quite a few things. I'm going to I'm going to use it for bass. I'm going to catch some crappie and whatever else is biting. Well, you'll hear that sometimes as well. I'm going to go buy one rod. What should I go buy? Right. And that's where we need to talk about the last two things that you're going to find on your rod. Yep. The last two things that you're going to see on the rod, they're going to talk about your lure weight and your line weight. And so that's going to set you up right there to know what do I need to use and and what bait am I using. So if you're wanting to go crappie fish, then you're going to get into a smaller light system. Your rod may be a 12-foot rod. They sell 12-foot crappie rods now. It's crazy, right? That's like such a specific But that is a specific rod for that. You're not going to go use that for bass. So what rod can you get? And Brian shared a little bit earlier, eight-pound test. Eight pound test was kind of the key. If if you can find a rod that's gonna allow eight pound test to be on it, then you're in you're in a, a good place. Yep. That's a good start. So then we look at what we're sharing right now is is what we have told all these people. Basically, their question is: I want to be able to catch bass and probably some bluegill and crappie and a lot of these common freshwater species. I want something that a rod and reel that is versatile. I can throw different types of baits and catch different types of fish. What do I get? And and Ben is about to share with you. He is holding right now uh, a, a rod that we would recommend people to get. So this rod is a seven foot one. The lure weight will range between an eighth ounce to a half ounce. Correct. So you can throw a tiny little eighth ounce all the way up to a, a, a heavy half ounce jig. That's a pretty good range. It is a huge range, yeah. which makes it awesome. The line weight allows me to put on here four to 12 pound test. Now that's on my reel. Correct. You're always putting your line on your reel, but it's letting you know for that cast and for that bend what it can take. So right there, if you wanted to go fish for trout with this, who are, are known for being finicky and needing real light four or six pound line, you could do that with this rod, or you could go all the way up to 12 pound and man, 12 pound, you can catch some big fish on 12 pound. Yeah. You're, some guys use that to pull fish out of weeds. Yeah. I, I use 12 pound. That's really common what I use um, on, on my bigger jig, my half ounce jig setup. Right. The power that we're looking at here is medium. Now, some may say, Ben, it needs to be medium heavy. 
it really depends on the brand. Right. And you need to fill it. This one says medium. The, the reason I don't, for that universal uh, versatile rod, I don't tell people to go up to medium heavy because that lower end, that eighth ounce lure, it's not going to be that. You're going to jump up to like a quarter is going right. to be your low. And then you're really not as versatile. You can't really go fish for the, the crappie and bluegill like you can with an eighth ounce. Right. And then lastly, the action on this is fast, which right. means that tip up there, you know, if you got a jig or a crappie jig, you can hold that rod pretty calm and you can just barely tweak, I don't know, barely twitch that thing. And the right. tip of that will just kind of go beep, 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 you know, um, that is a great universal rod right there. Right. But I didn't share that this is a spinning. That's a spinning combo. Combo. And, and that's also what we recommend because um, you're going to have less, your line management is going to be easier. You're going to have less of a learning curve going to a spinning. Um, you'll be I love spinning because I can let more people use it too. Mm -hmm. I can lend it to other people. The reel is more forgiving. The reel is more forgiving, um, but it can you can do so much with it. Mm -hmm. it, it is so versatile. Now, a, a rod like that, there's going to be a technique or two. Um, that that rod you actually have there, that's that's my favorite setup for fishing a wacky rigged stick worm. That's yep. my favorite setup for that. But it is versatile in. It may not be the perfect thing for a jig, but can you fish a jig on it? Yes. Yeah. It may not be perfect for a crankbait, but can you fish a crankbait on it pretty yeah. effectively? Mm -hmm. You absolutely can. Mm -hmm. Is it perfect for a wacky wig worm? I think so. So right. there is a perfect technique for it, but it's so right in the middle of the road that you can use a lot of things. Right. And that's what we're trying to steer you towards because it is so expensive to buy a rod and reel for every bait that you could use or are going to use. Right. So starting off, get you something like that. Um, you know, when you want to get into to maybe flipping um, weeds and bushes or you're you're wanting to go out deep or you're trying to catch really big fish from catfish, then get into that bait caster. But a good rod and reel to start off with is a spinning rod, spinning Absolutely. reel. Start off with that. Get you some eight pound. I prefer fluorocarbon line. Some guys love mono. Some guys will buy braid. Right. Okay. You can do this. This is something that, that will improve your reel because... You're not constantly, or I say real, you're going to be able to, to fish with this setup I'm about to tell you about, put it in the corner of your garage, and then a year later, pick it up and go use it again. Yes. And that would be to put on braided line. You know, you want the test of your braided line to be like 10 pound. So it's yep. it's small diameter braid and it's going to be stronger than 10 pound. Um, but that's really what you're going to put on your reel. And then you can put on a leader. A lot of guys will use from six to 10 pound leader depending on what you're wanting to use yeah, fluorocarbon leader fluorocarbon leader and what's so awesome about doing it that way is that you can fish that all day you can set it down go back a year later and you're not going to have this crazy rat's nest wadded up thing when you go to use right. it again so there's you're no actually memory. tying two different kinds of line there you've got your your main line which is your braid and then you're tying you know we'll say a six to eight foot liter of fluorocarbon on the end but there is a there is an extra skill for that you have to learn there are several different knots uh, my favorite to use is called the Alberto, but there are several other ones. You have to learn a line-to-line -line knot, um, and so you, that is a skill that you have to learn to go along with using that technique. But if you're a weekend warrior or you're you're only going to go once or twice a year, right. maybe just use the braid. You don't yep. even need a leader on it, and that braid, that's going to last you. Uh, you could take that two times a year for the next five years, and you're going to be able to cast it every time. So, you are, yep. You know, if you have more questions, please reach out to us. We hope that 
we explained what a rod is, and yeah. I hope that made sense to everybody and, and kind of matching that up with the reel. Some of the most fun I've ever had fishing has been with what you mentioned earlier, a five-foot-long ultralight fishing rod. Just going to the river, not really caring about my rod and reel and, and, and catching fish. However, when I'm going to a tournament, I'm going to get very specific. I'm going to have a rod for a bait, that specific, a rod for a bait. And if I'm using 10 different baits that day, then I'm going to have 10 different rods. Right. Um, and I feel like people are, are kind of that way too. And, and I'm going to think particularly um, to a church. You know, you have people serving in a church and, and can I be great at, could I be great at, at working security? I could probably do it and get it done sufficiently, but those are not the skills. Those are not the particular things that God gave me. I wasn't designed really well to be a security guard. However, I believe my spiritual gift is, is teaching, to teach. So if you put me in a teaching setting, I'm going to be able to excel and serve. I'm going to help people better, and I'm going to be more fulfilled and gratified and probably even a little happier because I'm right where I need to be. So could I do other things? Yes. Could a fishing rod be used for all different things? Yes. But if you get really specific with it, it is going to apply and serve you better. I've struggled for many years to figure out what is my purpose. Did you know, who am I? What kind of rod am I? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, I know how tall I am. <laughs> I, I, I think I've learned my power. I think I'm, I'm struggling you know with my power. Humbly, you don't lie about it either. Well, you know, let me just say it this way, that I want God to be the one that's controlling the rod. You know, yeah. I we think when we pick up this rod and we cast it that we're we're in control of that. To be honest with you, the fish is. <laughs> if he ain't biting that bait, then yeah. then it doesn't even matter what kind of rod you're using. But that I found my purpose correctly, and that's that's in Jesus Christ. And and by doing that, I'm gonna let him lead. I'm gonna let him. I'm gonna let him cast me. <laughs> right. And I need to be willing and ready for the purpose that he's made me to be. And, and I still have not truly figured out exactly who I am and exactly what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And I don't know if we ever do because the lake changes, the f- type of fishing changes, the type of fish I'm going out to catch are different. I don't think that that I am just one specific rod. However, there is a, a, a time and a place that he, he has prepared me for uh, and to be. And I want to be ready to to use the right rod when the time comes. So I hope that makes sense in all the metaphors. Yeah. But um, his, I found my purpose because of him, and I cannot wait to see uh, where he continues to, to guide me. Absolutely, yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. I, I want people to know that if, if we can be of any service, of any help to you, if you want to reach out to us for some consultation, maybe you have gear, and you're just like, what does this even mean, or... Is this okay for this type of tech? We're not going to charge you for that. We'd be glad to help you. If you're saying, you know what? I'm buying so-and-so Christmas present this year. I'm getting them a fishing rod. This is what they need to do with it. What should I get? Please, we would be honored. I don't don't even care if you know us. Reach out to us. We'd be honored to help you. Um, We would be just so, so happy and thrilled to to share our passion and to help you uh, get somebody something that that they need. Uh, We're just so thankful for everybody that listens to the Meant to Be Outdoors 
podcast. We hope that this information has been helpful to you. Please follow along on Instagram and Facebook. If you are feeling like maybe giving some year-end donations, we would love for you to go to our Patreon and become a Patreon member. The financial support would be greatly appreciated as well. Please hit the automatic download and subscribe button so you're getting all the episodes on whatever platform you listen. That is going to be it for this episode of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. As always, between now and the next episode, we hope that you find time to get outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.